0: Time for our regular Monday expert feature where we invite a master of a particular field or topic to share their knowledge with us. Well, today we're going to be talking mushrooms and fungi, uh, what they mean for our ecosystem, the nature of foraging, conservation efforts and a whole lot more. Joining me in the studio is mycologist and senior researcher at Manaki Whenua Landcare Research, Dr. Mahajabeen Padamsi. Welcome to the program. Thank you, (laughs) Kira. Now, um, now, if you've got any questions, you can text 2101 or email afternoons at rnz.co.nz. But firstly, tell us how you got involved with mushrooms, Mahajabin.
1: Mm. So, um, at my undergraduate institution, my um, my advisor at the time he used to take us out on on nature walks for um, just in, for ecology classes and other intro biology classes, and I just started to notice mushrooms more and more. Um, and at the end of end of my um, third year at university, we had uh, we had to do an honors thesis, and I talked to him and I said, I really want to do something on fungi, but I'm not sure what. He said, Well, why don't you do a survey of the mushrooms around the campus and I said people still do that and he said yes yes of course there's you know lots of people study taxonomy and systematics and so that's what I did for my honest thesis and at the end of the year, I was still fascinated by the subject, and 25 years, I'm still working on them. 25 years? 25 years. Wow. Yeah. What, have, what have you discovered over 25 years? Wow, oh, that we know very, very little, and there is a whole heap of more things that, that there are to discover. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so we don't know all there is to know. No, uh-huh. no. I mean, even in New Zealand, like we have, you know, there are about we estimate that probably about twenty five thousand species that are present, and we've only given names to about eight thousand of them. So there's, you know, there's there's a lot more that we just don't know about fungi. Mm. And, and
0: when we're talk, talking about fungi. And mushrooms, they're very, very, you know, the mushrooms are the fungi that you eat, but there are so many that you can't and shouldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how many, uh, if we talk about mushrooms particularly, how many can we eat? How many what Mm. varieties can we eat?
1: So there are a handful. I mean, I guess like the, the saying goes is that um, everything is edible once. Um, you know, so you <laughs> want to make sure that you know what you're getting into before you start eating them. Um, and uh, there are some really delicious edibles. And, um, you know, things like there's the heresium, which is the um, lion's mane or the New Zealand lion's mane fungus, which, which grows here, um, which is really, really... Uh, delicious. Yeah, no, Lion's
0: Mane, because a lot of uh, health practitioners use that, don't they? Alternative health practitioners. They and what, And
1: what is, that, what is that meant to be good for? Um, well, depending upon who you ask, I mean, I guess some people will say that's it's good for memory um, and, you know, but then it, it, there's probably like a whole heap of health benefits that we just haven't investigated fully as yet.
0: Right. So, yeah. so, so sorry, you've got carry on the yep. ones that you can Yep, eat, so um,
1: uh, Lion's Mane and then um, my personal favourite is something that grows in paddocks called uh, a shaggy mane mushroom um, and you have to kind of get it when it's still young and and the gills are still uh, whitish because as they as it gets older they um, they start to ink up and they and that's uh, they have this the name called shaggy mane because they're kind of shaggy on the top but then they also call ink caps because they um, the gills slowly digest themselves and let the spores be um, be spread in the wind so um, those are really really good and they um, they definitely taste a little bit like oysters, <laughs>
0: so, okay, and where do they grow um
1: i've only seen them in paddocks in, I mean, all over New Zealand In paddocks all over New Zealand or particular types of paddocks um hm it's a good question i'm not sure i mean i've seen them in like um you know with where where there are cows around or, or sheeps and mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, they're not, I haven't seen them very often, but yeah, when you do see them, then they're definitely a good, a good wild mushroom to, to know and to eat.
0: Right. So, so how do you know, and I know this, this is a big question, you know, what is good to eat and what is not good to mm-hmm. eat? Uh, because, you know, mushrooms, you see them everywhere.
1: Absolutely. Is there uh, one's
0: clear rule?
1: Um, I think that the clear rule, that, that the one rule that the people should definitely keep in mind is that if you don't know what it is, please don't eat it because, you know, you could poison yourself. There have been cases of... Um, especially immigrants coming to a new country. This happens a lot in North America when you have East East Asians coming to North America and and thinking that a particular type of mushroom is edible because it looks similar to something that they're familiar with. But in North America, um, it turns out that it's a completely different species and they end up poisoning themselves. And it's something that is very, very fatal. So if you're not sure, don't eat it. Um, The rule that I I tell people is that, you know, unless you're going out with an expert who – knows their fungi ver- very well um just you know get a good book that you can use and um and you know just maybe just stick to one to, when you start off with just stick with one type that that's easy to identify um and then you can move on as you get more comfortable with the study of mushrooms right and we have this
0: you know fungi that it gr- you know grows in wet damp conditions is it generally is that the general rule that that's where you find them if you're going off to forage
1: Yes. Yes, and no. I mean, you do find them. Um, I mean, mushrooms are incredibly diverse, and you can find them in all sorts of areas. I mean, I've I've seen mushrooms growing on sand dunes, um, and you know, it's just they they're extremely adaptable. It's a it's a very very large kingdom of life. Um, estimates probably put I don't know anywhere between one and a half million to you know. 20 million species. We, we just don't know. We, we, we're just scratching the surface of the diversity. And so first looking out, damp places are good because they, they do need the, need the moisture. Mushrooms are about 99% water. Um, and so they, they do need enough water to be able to develop properly. Um, but sometimes like you, you even see them sometimes coming out of asphalt. Um, they're, so, <laughs> they're, they're just cool. incredibly um, – yeah, they're just incredible.
0: Right, gosh. Uh, Now, I'm speaking with Dr. Mahajabeen Pandit. Potential, see, <laughs> um, and we're going to take some. We're getting lots of questions uh, through in a minute. But specifically, what has your research been in on the mushroom? So I started.
1: I started off looking at a group of little brown mushrooms, and and those are the ones that kind of grow in little damp places and wood chips and other things. Um, but then since then, I've uh, looked at rust fungi, which are plant pathogens that um, need a need a plant to grow on, um, and look. Fungi that live inside of roots of kauri trees, um, and just you know, a, a whole heap of other things through students and their projects as well. So, yeah. it is our Monday expert
0: feature time, and I'm with Manaki Whenua Landcare Research Dr. Mahajabeen Padamsi. She is a uh, senior researcher and mycologist uh, specializing in fungi. And mushrooms. Tell me about the collection of fungi that you curate.
1: So um, this is the New Zealand Fungarium, and it's a nationally significant collection. Um, so Manaki Whenua ha- houses several nationally significant collections, and the Fungarium. Um, is, has about 100,000 specimens in it. Um, and these could be, they're mostly from New Zealand with a focus on plant diseases, um, but then also trying to document the biodiversity that's present in Aotearoa. Um, and also we, we have collections from the Pacific Islands as well, um, just to be able to document their diversity as well. So so what is the purpose of, of, of collecting these? Mm, it's a good question. So, I mean, a lot of people... You know, think about collections and they're like, oh, well, you know, why do you need so many of Mm. this? And it really helps us get a handle on the diversity that's present. Um, And then also for conservation, you kind of need to know where these things occur. Because mushrooms, you know, you could have – they they could be there year after year, but you might not see them because they – they stay underground as um, as the mycelium, um, and the collection is really for research purposes to want to document uh, biodiversity and and to help in conservation. Um, we get asked by the Ministry for Primary Industries, you know, to to look at our collections in, in cases of um, if if a new pathogen comes to New Zealand and they need to compare it to to what's already known about this, um, and so it's just it's for research and study purposes.
0: Right. Okay. What is the Actual definition of a fungus.
1: Mm, so, fungus is in its own kingdom of life. Um, okay. So, it's separate from plants and from animals. Um, and it was probably in the seventies, a little bit earlier than that. Um, scientists realized that. Um, that fungi are actually more closely related to animals than they are to plants for a long time oh, we thought yeah. that uh, fungi were lower plants and yeah. that's how they were classified and also like a lot of the historical collections fungi were treated as little plants and put in a herbarium and so many of our practices with the fungarium are very similar to a herbarium um, and so but they are in their own kingdom their cells are made of chitins so those are you know from fingernails and then also um, what's the cells of insects so that that was one clue that, that they are more closely related to animals than they are to plants.
0: Right. Gosh. And there are a lot of, um, well, there are a lot of edible mushrooms that are native to New Zealand. Can we, can we actually talk about, because our New Zealand's, you know, flora and fauna is, you know, really diverse. Can you tell us about some of our unique mushrooms and, and fungi that are found here? Mm,
1: it, there are... Many and and I think like what what used to happen was that um, because fungi like even though they're so diverse. Um, people didn't have the tools other than microscopes or you know just looking at their um, at what they look like in the field mm. um, to to be able to give a name to to them um, and so a lot of our name of the names of these fungi originally were based on European names because that's that's where all the mycologists were mm. um, but with DNA sequences we found that a lot of the a lot of the fungi that we have in New Zealand are endemic they're only found here and not found anywhere else in the world um, so we have a very very special biodiversity that's um our microdiversity that's present in New Zealand. Right.
0: Are there any particular New Zealand only, you know, specimens that um that are used or for anything specific but mm. they're only found in New Zealand?
1: Absolutely. So, um one of the marine um uh, uses of fungi um are that there haven't been that many that have been documented mm-hmm. um one of them was for moco for the the facial tattooing um it was uh, a fungus called Ophiocordyceps um Robertia, and what it would um, it basically is a fungus that, that mummifies a caterpillar um, and it changes the behavior of the caterpillar so instead of the caterpillar going and eating and eating and eating and turning into a pupae and then becoming a moth, mm. um, what it does is that it would go and bury itself with its head pointing up and the fungus grows from the, from the top of the head of this mushroom. But Murray knew how to find this and what they would do is when they found it, they would burn it and then mix it with bird fat um, and that would make a very black ink that they could use for their t- Cartoon.
0: For their the moko, oh, okay,
1: and there are related species um, in other countries, but this particular species is only present in New Zealand. Oh. It Fascinate, fascinates me to, to find to
0: think how did they know to take the head of, of this yet yeah, and it, yeah. I mean, I'm it's thinking. astounding. It's like mm. you know
1: the, another um, another. Um, fungus that's um a is called the fire set of fungus that's another thing that they knew about and it was um it it was It's very, very light um, and grows like, you know, pretty big in like two or three months. But you can carry embers off a fire and, and it doesn't burn hot. And so you could, you could carry an ember in your pocket or, you know, in a basket, take it to a new place and then start a fire very easily. So you didn't need to, you know, use two sticks or, or flint or whatever um, to start the fire. And, this is, and they knew about this. Extraordinary. Oh, my
0: gosh who knew <laughs> and now there are, are there any proven medicinal properties that fungus and mushrooms have now we know that you know everyone talks about the, the psilocybin I think it is that, that you it, and that's not found in all mushrooms how many types
1: um no that's actually only found in a very specific um, group of fungi and those are the the psilocybin mushrooms and um, there there are a few different other um, genera of fungi in which you, you do find find psilocybins but um, that's Still un- under investigation is that I believe in in New Zealand. It's still, um, but it's also uh, you know a Class A drug. So yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and um, but other things like Ganoderma's um, Reishi is something that's been used in in East Asia um, quite a bit. Um, that's that's been known for um, just for general health benefits. Maitake, which is another one, um, that's supposed to. Um, be very good for fighting cancer, so that um where do you find that one um I haven't found it here, but, but there are related species here that probably haven't been investigated. But it's definitely in North America and in, and in East Asia as well. But then, of course, like the one, the the really really well known thing that, that people, you know, pretty much everybody has no, knows about, um, is penicillin. So penicillium is a mold, is a mm-hmm. fungus, um, and you get penicillin from this particular fungus, um, and then and pretty much you know millions and millions of people use this. Right, of course, of course. Um, Now,
0: let's go to some of your questions uh, listeners have sent through. Uh, I would like to know what the best New Zealand reference book is for foraging uh, for mushrooms and fungi in New Zealand. Would you know
1: that? Mm, That is a really good question. Um, There has been one uh, book recently published um, called, I think, Fungi of Aotearoa by Liv Sisson um, and Manaki um, and Fenua. We've been working on a microflora for um, for New Zealand fungi, and especially as a guidebook. There's an, uh, another one that's been privately published uh, by Shirley Kerr that has a lot of pitches. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for you, but we are working on it and hope Hopefully in the next few years we'll be able to get one out.
0: Right. Now, now the human pursuit and consumption of substances which result in an altered state is widespread and well documented. Is there any evidence to suggest that animals or even insects consume the psilocybin fungi to the same end?
1: That is definitely not my area of expertise and I'm not sure. Um, there probably are studies that that you could find about it and and I think that, you know I think people would be interested in in knowing about it, but I'm not sure about that. Mm. Uh, A listener has texted
0: in saying how common are death-cap mushrooms. And and can you first maybe explain what Mm. a death-cap mushroom is? So death-cap
1: mushrooms, are actually, those are the ones that I was talking about for the East Asian immigrants who come to the United States. Um, And um, so uh, they're a species of Amanita, Um, so related to the red and white spotted mushroom that pretty much is in every kid's book, which I find... Extremely ironic and really funny. Um.
0: Yes, that, that a very highly poisonous mushroom should be featured. And yeah, yeah, exactly. In, a, in children's books, because you want to go out and pick them, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah. right. So carry on.
1: we do find them. Um, they have been rec- recorded in New Zealand. Um, however, they usually occur with um, non non-native trees. Um, so you know, we don't find them everywhere. They are only in in pockets in um, that occur with some of these non-native trees think that they oaks but I might be might be making that up but I will have to look at the database to just be sure (laughs) okay Uh,
0: are there any mushroom clubs in Auckland or knowledgeable people that could be contacted to you know
1: lead guided walks um, unfortunately not. Um, but we do, there is the, the fungal network of New Zealand. Um, and actually, I just came back from a fungal foray that was held in Rotorua um, and, the, in, and nearby areas. Um, and that happens once a year for a week. And we go um, to a different place, either on the South Island or the North Island, um, and just collect um, what's you know what's from that area um, to to document the the diversity and so that's a good it's a good introduction for people to come in and see how how do you collect these fungi how do you you know what are the important characters that you need to be able to identify them Um, and just to get kind of you know have their eyes open with the diversity that's present. Mm. Uh, Sam from the Western
0: Bay of Plenty has asked uh, can you please ask about positively IDing turkey tail and how to preserve and how to use it I think we have a
1: lot on our orchard Mm. Mmm. So turkey tail, um, there are there is um, a lookalike, and it's called a false turkey tail because it it kind of looks the same from the top. But if you turn it over, uh, the turkey tail will um, will have little pores underneath it, uh, whereas the the false turkey tail almost looks a little bit smooth. Um, Preserving it, um, you could probably just. Get away with air drying it. Um, for for more fleshy fungi, you can um, get a, a food dehydrator and and just dry them overnight. Um, and you know that's that's a good way to to preserve fungi. Okay, and and, uh, and Roy has just asked: um,
0: Is there any real and clear research evidence about the uh, medicinal
1: value of the turkey tail fungus? Um. I don't have that on the top of my head. I would have to have to look into that um but you know i i think i think fortunately unfortunately um you know a lot of things get get um Talked about um, and and you know passed down from from people to pe- uh, person to person and and it's just um, a, a lot of the a lot of it might not have been substantiated but it's not to say that they aren't actually good studies about medicinal mushrooms so there's definitely out there I just don't have it on, on the top of my head.
0: Mm, okay, um, Lawrence, says, I forage in my plantation for porcini every season, and they are nearly as good as Italian sourced ones. Easy to dry. On top of the wood fire, and uh, they last ages. But people don't realize they are there and think they're nasty, but the sticky bun bolette is the best does that make sense to you <laughs> <laughs> the sticky bun bolette where do the, these names come from <laughs>
1: um, yeah so uh, portinis are pretty amazing and um, the sticky bun I think that he might be thinking about a, um, a swillis but I'm not entirely sure because some of them have like very um, sticky caps oh, okay. um, and uh, a bolette is a type of a mushroom that instead of having gills it has pores on on the underside, um, and um, yeah, proteini's. So the proteini's that you do find in New Zealand again are those. They aren't native. They have been moved with introduced trees, um, and because fungi have this this relationship with trees, about ninety percent of trees are associated with some form of fungus or the other. But you have this uh, specific group of fungi called um, ectomycorrhizae, and they f- form mycorrhizal um a symbiotic relationship with um with the fungus and and the um with the fungus with the tree um and they both are mutually benefit each other um and so when people brought trees from other places, they brought their fungi with them right okay is there is is there many fungi that we really
0: Shouldn't have in New Zealand, and it's it's you know causing um, uh, a lot of devastation, you know, environmentally.
1: That's that's a really good question. I mean, actually, one of the ones, Amanita muscari which is the the, the red and white spotted yeah. mushroom, that's not native to New Zealand, and it was brought in um, with pine plantations and is spreading into native forests. And unfortunately, what it's what we've been seeing it does is that it actually displaces the native mycorrhizal um, fungi and the, the, actually the, the native Amanita um and 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 once it um replaces it uh, the native fungus can't come back because it's it's just so competitive um and then the other you know the other fungus of course um you have swillis which grows with with pines and just helps wilding pines to be able to spread you know, far and wide because it's so competitive.
0: Right. Yeah, of course, wilding, wilding pines, we're having a huge issue with it in, in New Zealand. Uh, our expert today is Dr. Mahajabeen Padamsi, and um, she is a mycologist with uh, Landcare. Now, we uh, have got a text from Margot who says, is there a good phone app for mushroom identification
1: mm. so that's a that's a really good um i would say if if you don't have this already download iNaturalist New Zealand on oh, okay. your phone um and you know learn how to take a good picture so you want a picture of the the cap of the mushroom but then you also want it of the um the base um and and the underside of the mushroom cap um and there is a a team of people who are very, very enthusiastic about um, fungal identification, who check it regularly, and will let you know what you found. It also has uh, an automatic image recognition system, so it'll um, it'll suggest names for you, and then but then usually like the experts will say if you're wrong or right. So <laughs> what's it called? I i naturalist i naturalist. That is the name of
0: the app. Okay. Um, hi there. Is the uh, amen amen Amanita, Amanita muscaria. Uh, does it have therapeutic benefits if properly processed? Mm. Amanita. Yeah.
1: I think you know there there are um, reports of it. It was, I think, used in um, I don't know in, in different shamanistic rituals that, in, in Siberia. Um, but what I have read is that the the one that's the the type of of amanita that that you find in siberia is slightly different from the ones that that have spread around the world and so like you don't get the same benefits what i have heard is that if you do eat amanita muscaria you get really really sick to your stomach um it i it's implicated in some mushroom poisonings um so i i again i would be very cautious about what i put into my mouth <laughs> <laughs> okay um what
0: are some of the the common misconceptions or myths about about mushrooms and fungi that that you often encounter?
1: Um, I think that you know one of the ones is that um, you know, a lot of people just get astounded and they're like, mushrooms just seem to pop up overnight. You know, how is that? Like they just magically appear. And um, and actually, it, that's um, fungi live for, for most of their life underground in um, in these thread like cells called um, and a bunch of them called mycelium um and some sometimes when the conditions are right you're going to have the fungus being able to produce a mushroom which is the fruiting body of the fungus um so it's you it can almost think of it as as a fruit so it is you know it's called a fruiting body because it's kind of like a fruit um and it it could be fully formed um under the ground and then you know if the conditions are right it'll have enough water to be able to push through um and and appear Almost as if by magic. (laughs) I have... To admit that our lawn,
0: you know, we've had so much water in Auckland, so much rain in Auckland, that the mushrooms are just spouting up through the uh, through the lawn.
1: Absolutely, and and that's and that's you know they they definitely take advantage of, of this wet weather. Weather um, sometimes though, like if it gets too wet, you you know they can still they can also get a little bit waterlogged. But um, a lot of fungi have different adaptations to be able to survive in like very very moist environments, like rainforest and things. So how do you get rid of them? Ah, uh, can't. <laughs> oh no, really? Okay. So, so when you
0: get that bag of compost that actually you know comes with all the mushrooms in the garden, you can't get rid of it. You
1: can not get rid of it, but but they are actually serving a purpose. So mushrooms are decay. Um, a lot of them are decay organisms. So they're breaking down the nutrients um, that are present in you know breaking down dead matter and, and uh, recycling the nutrients that are present um, in this dead matter, so that you know it's good for the plants. So um, and you, know, you can you can pick it all you want, but the but you know as I said, like you know most of it is going to be below ground. So unless you get rid of the soil, which you probably shouldn't, because it'll completely disrupt your your ecosystem. Um, yeah, yeah just. Just let it be. So so tell us a little bit more about the ecosystem and the role that they play. Mm. So there are three major roles. As I mentioned before, you have the mycorrhizal fungi, of yeah. which 90% of plants um, rely on them to be able to survive. Um, and then you have um, the decay organisms. And so they are um, responsible for, for breaking down nutrients that are present in dead matter Um and you know, and you see them often um again like in wood chips and things. So you'll you know, you you'll walk by a wood chip pile and you'll see these mushrooms growing on it and they're actually just breaking down the wood. Um and then the other part of um of this kingdom are are pathogens. Um you know, there are a lot of very devastating pathogens that are in this kingdom. Um but they also have a role to play because that's, um, you know, the pathogens, while they, they can attack the plant and in some cases kill it, such as in, with Ostropoxenia cedia, which causes myrtle rust, it is killing our plants. Um, the ones that have co evolved with, with, the, with the plant um, just tend to push it to evolve further. Mm. Right, uh inoculating logs with mushroom
0: spores, I did this on a gardening course. Is it okay for our native mushrooms
1: um yeah sure i would I would try it i mean there they're definitely um places that you can get um kits. You know, little um cell inoculated logs, and so you can get them and, and grow um, and grow mushrooms at, in your house.
0: Right, right. Uh, and and talking about actually growing mushrooms mm-hmm. in your house,
1: how, how you know what's the best way to do that. Um I would I would recommend if you're just starting out is probably to stick with a kit just because you know that's something that um you know come with with very good instructions about what you want to do Mushrooms by the Sea is is, a, is an organization that I think it's it's based out of Raglan um and they they supply oyster mushrooms and they um they also do the native lion's mane um and and others, so you can buy them, and then um, and yeah, it'll just tell you, you know what exactly you need to be able to do to be able to grow these mushrooms at home.
0: And so you've got those ones, oyster mushrooms. Uh, what are some of the other uh, easy to grow varieties? Mm,
1: shiitake mushrooms are the other ones. Oh, yes. um, yep. So you can get logs that are inoculated with um, w- with this fungus, and then um, and then you can grow them fairly easily as well. Um, Yes, and then lion's man was the other one um, yeah I mean oysters I think are, are the ones that that pretty much everybody thinks about um, and you know and they' a huge number of varieties of, of oyster mushrooms that, that you can grow fairly easily you study them and you spend all this you know 20, 28
0: years I think was it, what, 25 <laughs> 25 25 yeah, we'll do you <laughs> Do you enjoy eating them, or do I, you feel like you just can't do them?
1: No, I I love them, and and the thing is, is also I mean I guess knowing about fungi and knowing that you know that if you do if you do um, pick a mushroom, the rest of the fungus is going to be fine. You know, it's not it's only it it's like picking an apple, right? You're not going to destroy the tree by picking that apple. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I I don't have any qualms about eating mushrooms, and I love them. My daughter, on the other hand, does not enjoy oh. them. <laughs> <laughs> I try and sneak them into every dish I can but she does she notices. Someone someone said that actually
0: mushrooms are a, a really good substitute for beef. But uh, the mushroom burgers—they have like the incredible protein and and
1: absolutely, and yeah, they they are really really high in protein and they're good and good for fiber and they have you know a whole heap of nutrients that you wouldn't necessarily get from plants. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of health benefits to to eating mushrooms. What's your favourite type of mushroom? Oh uh, so I guess. I guess oyster mushrooms are are, are pretty much, they're, they're pretty fabulous. I mean, the other one that um, that you actually see in the bush every time you go out are, are wood ears. Um, and they're not used, uh, they, they're usually used in, um, in like Chinese cuisine and things, in mm-hmm. stir fries. Um, and those are incredible because, you know, as I said, like what, mushrooms are really adapted to different environments. These ones, when it gets dry, they kind of dry down into like this almost like woody um, a woody mushroom, and then you can soak them and then rehydrate them. And so in the 1880s, um, there was uh, an a Chinese immigrant who moved to Taranaki and he would pay people, who, especially women and children, to go out and collect these woody mushrooms and they would export them to China. They would export it, tons and tons of it. Um, and now we, yeah, now even though you can find it in the bush, we, we actually, you know, you can usually just go to an Asian food store and, and buy it yeah. from there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what's your favourite way to cook mushrooms? Uh, just sautéing them with butter. All right. <laughs> Got to be butter, not olive oil or anything like that. No, no it has olive. to be butter. It has to be butter. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, um Andrew from Amberley said mushroom mycelium please ask if we could develop mycelium in New
1: Zealand. Um so mycelium is just um it's um it's um a mass of the fungal cells. Um so it's just yeah, it it's kind of um like a whole bunch of tissue off the fungus. Right. Um and it yeah, and so you know there is mycelium um, present and and I guess I'm not quite sure what 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 they're getting at, but um, yes, I mean you know that's and that's how when um, when you get a mushroom kit, it's already um, the, the log is already inoculated with the mycelium off that particular fungus, and then it'll, and the mushroom will grow from the mycelium. Okay, right. What someone has asked
0: here when you dig the garden and rebuild it with, say, zoo or something, um, does this install a fresh set of fungi?
1: Yeah, I think you know there is i 'm um, not familiar with Zudu, but but if you um, if you dig up the if you dig up the garden um, you know probably replacing it with something that's um, with the soil that that was there from like in, you know some some place that 's close by is probably best because you want to reintroduce the same fungi into um, into the garden there are I think you know there there are commercially available kits that they um, that they sell that have mushroom inoculum that you, you know, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that they've been that that they've been proven. Um, and in some cases, we found that um, some of these kits have um, have non-native fungi in them, and so you don't really want to be introducing something from a different country um, into your garden. Right.
0: Okay. Um, just the sort of time for one last question. Really, uh, is there a, a is there a fungus that you find the most fascinating, or,
1: or even the prettiest to look at? <laughs> have you got a favorite? Oh, um, it has to be the Anteloma hexastatari. Um, so <laughs> the what? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the blue anteloma. So if you have a fifty dollar note and you turn it over, um, there are these pictures of these blue mushrooms on it with. Um, Uh, the coca-co, and the lovely Puriora forest in the background. And the story goes that um, the bird, the coca-co, got its blue wattle from rubbing its cheek against these blue mushrooms. And when you see them in the bush, they are so incredible because everything around you is green or brown. And then suddenly you have this spot of color and this bright, brilliant blue mushroom just pops out and it's just, it's fantastic. Oh. This has been
0: a fascinating chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Mahajabeen Padamsi. Look, wow, who knew there was so much to to, to know about uh, mushrooms and fungi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for asking me. This is great. And you can hear this interview again on our website.